Welcome to another episode of Forgot My Transmitter. Today's chat is with Michael Beckner from Indiana. He currently does private locates, and he shared a lot of details about the private side, plus a few damage stories and funny situations. So let's get started. Michael, thanks for coming on the show today. Tell us a little about yourself. How did you become a locator, and what do you currently locate? Thanks for having me on the show. So I've been located for about five years now, five years plus. I locate private utilities. I did public for one year, locating gas all the way to electric. Now that I locate sewer, water, septic, electric, communications. I've been at nuclear power plants, missile silos, military bases, and power plants, commercial properties. So I've been a little bit everywhere. Can you tell us what state you're in? And I'm in Indiana. Okay. I'm actually from Terre Haute. Okay. So what was the draw to private locating? Freedom. Freedom. Okay. Freedom. So public locators, they're, you know, constantly being pushed for quantity yeah. instead of quality. Yeah. I, when I started on the public side, I was a project locator. So I always tried to focus on quality even when I was over there. My boss that I had actually pushed me over to the private side because he left as well. Oh, okay. And then, so I did privates for four years and I've learned actually a lot more when it comes to locating. What we do is still a theory. It's, it's, it's not as set in stone, you know, black and white on how we locate utilities. No. Yeah, with, with privates, you're basically going blind, right? It's either or. Yeah. So, a lot of customers provides us with prints, but as we all know, prints are just a guide. They're they're not, you know, absolute or 100% correct. No. What about privates do you enjoy? I know you said the freedom, but is there anything else that is different than public? The interaction with customers. Um, yeah. It, it's... It's actually amazing to see how interested people are and do not know about what we do. So actually on my side, I'll, I'll educate customers, um, inform them what we're doing, how we're doing it, and wh what we could do further for them. Especially when it comes to 81 locators, they don't understand their markings or you know what's an okay. They, they, think, they see a red flag just standing alone on the grass. They think, oh, there's a utility there when... I have to form them that there isn't. They're just letting you know there isn't a utility. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's the knowledge. We, I'm always going to someplace new. Every place is different. Everything is different. You never know what you're going to get yourself into. And it's the best learning experience that I think I could have ever received. Yeah. It's definitely completely different every time. That's the one thing I miss. I used to do some some private septic inspections and locates. But yeah, it, it is nice. We go to a site and you don't know what you're going to get into. You have no idea. No. How do you locate septic? I'm curious. On... Oh, I would put a, a fish, like I first probe, try to find the tank. And then I would put a fish tape out through the outlet, right to the header. And then I would put 83 on that wire and locate it from above. Okay. Okay. So that'll just give Please. me that would just get me to the header. Sometimes I could turn turn the yep. ninety, the T there and get 
get down one trench, but for the most part, it would just get me to the header, and then then it would just pop out of the ground. Like you could see the the indentations of the trenches from that point on. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you can tell where the fingers are too, depending on the discoloration of grass. Yeah. So what's your typical customer? Is it homeowners or commercial clients? We've actually pushed away against, pushed from homeowners. Homeowners are great for the private side to an extent, but as we all know, we're here, the company has to make money as well. Yeah. Our companies have to make money. Sometimes the the homeowner situation gets a little difficult because they don't like paying the prices. No. Uh, so I do a lot more commercial properties than I do homeowners. Right. Do you have a minimum minimum hourly rate? Yes. Minimum is two twenty five an hour for two hours. Okay. So do the commercial clients do they normally ask you to stay the whole two hours and and find as much as you can or how does surprisingly it work? no. Huh. Usually if we're there for about thirty minutes, they know they're paying for the two hours, they'll just tell us to leave. Wow. Nice. Uh, when I first started years ago, it used to be that way. Some clients would make us stay for the two hours. But I I think for some reason they just don't care anymore. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of surprising with today's economy, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think they're more scared that if they go a minute over, they're going to get charged another two twenty-five. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's your most frequent private locate that you have to do? That you have a major contract that you do privates for? It, it depends on the business, right? So, the company that I mainly do locates for is it's a pharmaceutical company, but they actually make dog food products, so they have a lot of chemicals on site. They usually recently have been having me go over there a lot because they have probably 10, 10 lines that are damaged and they have no idea what they are, where they're coming from. So they were trying to see if I could locate it from point A to point B to see to see what these lines were. Yeah. That was absolutely difficult because they have, I'm going to say probably over 100 lines that are above ground inside the plants that go underground and then they go probably half a mile down, down the plant yeah. coming up somewhere else. So that was, that was a challenge. Wow. Yeah. You're fighting the, with the concrete the rebar. You can't do a passive or anything. It's you're, yeah, you're stuck. Yeah. And then even with ground penetrated radar, you can only do so much with that too. Yep. Yep. Did you figure it out though? So yes and no. I found where the lines were going to, but it didn't answer the question of what they was. Oh, yeah. We tried, I tried electromagnetic uh, or EM locating. I I, it was, I couldn't trace it at all. They had too many ground wires that were in the way. It was pulling my signal in five different directions. Right. So right. I ended up, ha- luckily, most of their plant was sand. So I was actually able to use GPR. I found everything that I needed to find. Okay. But it, it didn't answer w- what it was and which one it was. Yeah. So do you use GPR quite a bit? Like, is that included in the the hourly rate, whatever tools you need? Or is there extra? Okay. It's not extra. It's required for every job. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a much needed tool, especially on our side. Yeah. Like you said, you know, sometimes we go in blind, we can only locate what we can see. And sometimes there's always those things that you can't see. Yeah. Did you, like for the GPR, 
How long did it take you to learn that? I'm going to say probably three months. I was a little intimidated at first until one wise person once told me that there is no master when it comes to GPR. Okay. Anyone can call themselves a master, yeah. but there's no one who's truly mastered it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, when I was doing my private stuff, I would just subcontract it out if I needed GPR. But I couldn't make yeah. heads or tails what was on that screen. I had no idea. They tried to explain it to me, but... <laughs> Well, it also comes, it's, it's, it's weird too, because it can come down to interpretation. One person can interpret an anomaly different than another person. Yeah. So it, it just, I, it comes down to experience. That, you know, the more you use it, the more you're able to identify not just anomalies, but trenches and abnormal soil, soil situations that you're looking on the screen. So then you can start picking up on a lot more information and start making, you know, your best educated guess on what it is. Yeah. That's why I always love the Oak Island shows, because I don't know how they're finding treasure with that GPR unit. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never watched that show. I should look it up. What's it called again? Oak Island. Oak Island. So back to the, the public, like when you first started, was there any hurdles that you had to get over? So very interesting question. I When I started in public, I had, I was, obviously I was in a, in a team with projects. So there was four of us. My trainer, I was with him for a while. Then I guess I ended up getting stuck on his team. So he was my team lead, I guess. Yeah. I learned a lot from that guy because he got multiples of damages. <laughs> so I I, I was very observant and I watched everything not to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he was. Did he even, did he at least tell you, don't, don't do this? No, he had no idea he was doing anything wrong. Oh, wow. That is bad. Yeah. yeah, he was completely oblivious, and there was actually one damage in particular, which was a dumb damage, but it cost $150,000, and basically, he gave up at that point, and wow. after after six months, I ended up taking his position. Yeah. But his, his damage was resulted to just closing out tickets, not paying attention to the fact that there was a ticket that looked like it had the same address, but didn't, and he ended up closing it out anyways. And uh-huh. a contractor board on it and smoked a, was it a six pair electrical? Oh, okay. So that, that went to fed a bank or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't double check all the documentation, right? To... Yeah. He failed to double check his documentation. Yeah. There's a strict process. Got to follow. Yeah. Check it all at the beginning. <laughs> make sure you're at the right address and double check at the end to make sure you, you located the right area. Yeah. That's too bad. But on the public side, it all becomes redundant. What do you mean? If you, you're locating the same utilities nonstop, you're you're constantly wondering whether or not you're bleeding off on something that's not yours. I think that becomes stressful. Yeah. At times, and that's a, I guess that could be another reason why I like being a private locator is I don't have to worry about that. No. My my job is to find everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there is that, that, as you said, that freedom of just being able to locate everything and you don't have your hands tied so that you're only allowed to locate certain utility and you have to get it done within a certain amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other damage stories that you know of? Or? I have one even on the private side. This customer needed me to scan like one of those islands that's right next to a riverbank, had a bunch of rocks, riffraff and whatnot in it. 
he was pretty adamant that there was nothing there. Didn't provide me any prints, just told me to go ahead and run GPR. So I, I ran my GPR, didn't see anything. Then I found out two weeks later that apparently there was a fiber that was literally right underneath the riffraft. Huh. And uh, the, the customer had cut into it with a bucket. I got the call about it. And uh, the customer tried stating that they knew that that fiber was there. Yeah. And uh, they also was, then it was a battle of his word against mine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy that at all. <laughs> so on the liability side for the, the privates, how do you combat that? It's it all comes down to documentation. Yeah, it's it just depends on how you word it. Try to describe everything as well as you can. We also do you know site sketches using Google Earth images to draw in utilities or areas or scopes of work and taking pictures. And usually, if we can, try to have a summer the customer sign a document so that they have reviewed it all. That way, yeah. later if they try to come try to come back and say, well. We didn't say that, or we didn't tell you to do that, or anything else like that. Then it's not their word against ours. It was you knew about it, and you're trying to cover it up. Yeah. So was that a big fiber that got cut? Yeah, I think it cost like ten thousand. Well, no, I don't think so. It was only like a ten thousand dollar damage. Nothing too crazy, but it definitely, definitely upset me about that because I was on a streak. Yeah, I kind of ruined it. Yeah, for sure. It's too bad. <laughs> the worst part about it on the private side is. You start getting damages, you start losing your customers. Yeah. They're not going to call you back if you keep that record up. So how big is your company that you work for? I'm going to say probably about 350 employees. Okay, so it's a large private locating firm. It, it used to be small, and it blew up probably over the past three years. Right. So I know we're in all 48 lower states. What do you think the reason for the expansion was? Is it just good good management, or was it a full industry shift? I think it was a full industry shift. They they saw a market for it. There, there's a lot of small private locating companies. Uh, we actually got bought out, and then ended up with a surplus of cash for us to expand. Uh, we we went out, showed the customers what we were able to do. They loved it and wanted us in our areas. So then we started hiring technicians to manage those areas. Right. No, that's good. Yeah, there's still lots of potential on the private side. The market's big enough, and even on the public side, the market utility locating wide is big enough for a lot of companies, to be honest. Yeah. There's just there's just so many utilities. It's hard for any one company to manage. Yeah. But yeah, there's so many contractors that only rely on the public locates. They don't even care about the, the private stuff. But there will come a day, I'm sure, when they'll have to venture into making sure that all the privates are checked on each job. That's one thing we like to, we usually start stressing out to municipalities, state, and contractors that 60% of utilities on our ground are private utilities. Yeah. So only 40% are public. Yeah, on the public side, you know, we always get questioned, oh, well, you didn't mark anything past the meter. Well, that's your responsibility. Yeah. I've I've noticed in a lot of states that I've traveled, I think in Colorado, for instance, there's a electrical company out there where I guess it states in the 811 contract that they have to mark 
public and private. Oh, really? <laughs> I found that interesting. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where I'm from here in Ontario, Canada, it's in the safety code that companies have to make sure that they've located all utilities and hazards in the ground. So there's no specification of just public, but they have to make sure that everything is is found as as good as they can. That's part of the safety code. That needs to happen over here then, because because <laughs> it's not it's not enforced, but yeah, it, it it is there. So some companies are aware of that and they do their due diligence to make sure that they're compliant with that safety code. I'm starting to notice more and more been in this industry over the years that it's a lot more people actually are starting to become more aware and starting to become more cautious when it comes to penetrating the ground. Yeah. Well, especially with fiber, right? It, it's such a vital and it's so it's always put in so shallow that you just splice your, your service wire with your shovel and then you realize, oh, that's a very costly, costly mistake. So word gets around. Make sure you find find everything. Yes, it's not easy to splice. <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking if there's anything other questions I had for the private side. You're going to be the first guest for private stuff. I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. So other... it's it's good. It's good to. And you've had a lot of newer guys. Yeah, on, on yeah. there as well. <laughs> I had one interview with a guy who'd been locating for ten years, and he was doing the the military fiber, but I deleted the interview. And I haven't been able to to get in touch with them. It was yeah, it was a great interview about the the federal fibers. Yeah, yeah, I got to get him back on to re-record it. He was able to locate them. The yeah, the federal fibers. Yeah, he went. Uh, see, I run into those a lot, especially uh, there's even federal fiber lines that run through airports. Yeah, a lot of the airports, especially in the U.S. Uh, and it's it's funny watching a new private locator and how. I've I've mistakenly not told people that I knew to not to do it, but as soon as they find out that you're in their their access point, it's funny watching three black bands. That's right. Uh, yeah. st- start surrounding you and say hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a criminal offense to hook onto those things. Well, not maybe not hook on, but it's it's borderline a fine or something. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he was telling me how they're they're alarmed, like they have air pressure in them. So as soon as they get nicked or cut, the air pressure drops and it sets off an alarm. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, so interesting. it's instantaneous when they know that it's been hit. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And he had to be within two inches of his, his marks. So accurate his paint had to be. Yeah. That's that's a big thing for the private side. The customers are paying for accuracy. So what is your accuracy on the private side? The art company doesn't want us to be any more than six inches off. Of your paint? Yes. But what's your legal requirement like for hand, uh, hand for, I, I know for the state of Indiana, it's it's still, it's pretty common in most states. It's 24 inches. Yeah. My company also does hydro excavation. Usually if the operator for the hydro truck finds out that we're more than six inches off, uh, usually you're getting a phone call and letting you know. Oh, wow. And you're being informed that uh, your quality is starting to degrade. Yeah. Uh, because it's costly. It, it's 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 actually very – I didn't know this until I came on the private side of how much money it actually costs contractors and other people that are digging 
if if you're more than a couple inches off. It, you're talking about hundreds of dollars. Uh, so I, I, I being on the private side, I never really understood their frustration. It was like, well, you're supposed to look, you know, two feet either way, anyways. Yeah. And then they're, and then when they explain, you know, they get upset about it and they're explaining, well, you know, it costs us too much money. Now I understand why. Yeah. Now, for accuracy, like, how do you get it to be accurate? I've noticed when you're locating one way, you put the paint down, but you turn around and it's six inches off. Have you noticed that at all? I think it depends on the piece of equipment. One, I've, I've heard once that when you're, when you're turning a receiver to where the forward is facing the transmitter, the frequency is being read differently because of the antenna situation. Uh, so it's always best to have your back towards your transmitter for the best reception. I, I have noticed that. I know a lot of people teach, you know, mark out and peak and check a null, which is, which is fine, I guess. But for accuracy, me particularly, I always use the lowest frequency I can. Yeah. I'll, I'll paint it out. Uh, but so if you ever look back after you paint, you'll see that some of your marks are kind of off by a couple inches or maybe a foot or something. It looks like it's, you know, you, you were drunk and you were just kind of walking down and marking. Yeah. Most of, especially when it comes to pipes, usually consciously, I know that it doesn't do that. And I'll, I'll line them, you know, I'll fix some of my marks to line them up correctly to make sure that they're straight. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I've always found out, even when customers have dug, that even fixing those few marks to where you're not just marking one side or the other helps increase the accuracy of it. Yeah, and then when the when the pipe does veer off, it does start to turn, that's when you go back and double check, make sure you got that, that, yes. that turn bang on. Yeah, oh, the bends, slowing yeah. down around the bends yeah. helps out tremendously. My biggest pet peeve is people who mark water and mark water in the water valves. Oh, right. Because water does not go into a valve. <laughs> you talk about the, a, the offset valves, right? In front of the hydrant? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yes. That's not on top of the pipe. No. Yeah. It, it, that, I hate seeing that all the time. So like, yeah. I know it doesn't do that. That's right. It's, it's because of the pipe, T-section, they're bending. And I get that's the signal they're getting. But consciously, they sh- should know that. That's not right. <laughs> no, no, it's out in front of the farther. Yeah, yeah. Same with uh, same with gas gas valves too. If it's a valve to a to a service, you know you know it's not sitting right on top of the gas line. Yeah, yeah. Especially if a trace of wire just happens to go in there. I, I get you know, a lot of people. Too many people teach you know mark your signal, mark your signal, mark your signal, which is great. But sometimes too, you gotta use common sense when you're marking out. Yeah, and then then witching. Yeah, what's your? Do you guys employ that at your company? So we, we do. Yeah, really. But it is the last ditch effort. Yeah, it's after we use like the eighth piece of or the last eight pieces of equipment that we have. If we can't find it, then witching is is to go to. But we do document it and we do inform our customers that we did it which a lot of them always talk about you know it's voodoo magic it, there's no way it works yeah. yeah my belief is it's about a 50 50 huh. so i've seen people which and they found underground water uh just natural underground water yeah tables just blowing out <laughs> so yeah 
but it's also amazing too. You get those people out there who just who can't do it at all. They'll, yeah. they'll you, can, you can hand them rods and they'll walk out and it just doesn't do work for them. And then there's other people who have pretty decent accuracy on it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really strange. I, I I've heard is so water has current. Water also has has metals in it. Uh, the one explanation or one theory I got was because it has metal and it has flow that it creates an electromagnetic field. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing as our equipment does. Yeah. So our our the the metal is just it's 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 picking up on electromagnetic field. I guess I'm not sure because I didn't believe it. You you, you could try witching power and it power doesn't just it doesn't witch. So right. It always seems to be pipes, and I never understood the whole pipe thing. Even pipes that are doesn't have anything running in it; they're just empty. Yeah, or it's just confirmation bias where we think that it's only with water, and that's all we can locate with it. Who knows? If it's all mental, it's all in our mind that you're trying to hone in on what someone else saw. The, yeah, like the original installer. You're you're trying to read their mind basically through your witching sticks. I heard that they're, the scientists are actually experimenting, trying to find out, trying to prove this theory. I actually kind of want to see the results of it. Yeah. I want to see if they got somebody who just, you know, who's who doesn't think very well or is mindless and is able to go out there and see if they can actually witch something or <laughs> yeah, see if it's a, a conscious thing or not. Yeah. No, it's it's fascinating. Eventually, we'll figure it out. But for now, it's the last last resort. So what keeps you going every day? Family. Your family? That's good. My family. It was when I first started locating my first daughter, she was in trouble when my wife was pregnant. We actually had to move to a different city with better doctors. And that's actually how I first got into locating. So I have two daughters now. They're both born in my locating career. I've actually had a pretty good life Yeah. in the locating industry. I used to be a coal miner before I did this truck driver. I used to be a correctional officer. Wow. <laughs> so I, I've done a, quite a few fields, but this is the one that stuck. Yeah. This, this feels just nice because it's not extremely mentally challenging and it's not extremely physically challenging. So when you go home at the end of the day, you're actually able to, to enjoy the time with your family. Yeah. It's, it's, you're not bringing distresses to work home with no. you. I mean, by the time you're done with at the end of the day, you're already too exhausted to really care about anything else. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely there's some <laughs> some really hot days and that it can be a little hard on us, but for the most part, come home ready to have family time. Do you have any advice for for new locators, like maybe specifically new private locators? My advice for newer private locators, and actually this still goes with even public, is to Slow down, take your time, watch watch other locators very carefully, ask the questions you need to ask, and don't ever assume. No. It just, just, no one's going to reprimand anyone for being slow at first, for asking questions, for trying to think of how things work even how utilities run, knowing what utilities are, what how they distribute, what they're made of, 
it can go a very long way and making your locating career more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the more you, more you dive in, the more questions you ask when you first get, get started, it sets you off in the right trajectory. Yeah. Absolutely. When was the last time you forgot your transmitter? This actually wasn't that long ago. I was located at a state fairgrounds, probably two hours from where I live. I woke up the next morning, went to another job site. And when I, I went out to get rid my equipment and I realized that I forgot it. I was still about four hours away from where I originally had left it. Huh. So I had to call my manager, let him know, hey, I know where my equipment is, but I forgot it there. He left to go find it. But here's the kicker part of this. My wife was about to have, was almost pregnant with my second child. Okay. And I actually, we do carry spare equipment. So I did actually have a spare transmitter. Yeah. That's so all I went to hook up, waited for him to call. And I didn't pay attention because when I was locating the gas line back to where I was set up at, apparently I did have my other transmitter. It was sitting right there. Oh, I was just tucked behind uh, something. Yes. And I didn't, I subconsciously wasn't aware that I had pulled it out already. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought I had lost it. On the public side, I've probably have left it three or four times. Yeah. At residences around the side of the house, hooked up to a service box. But working in teams, we're trying to check each other. And at the end of the day, especially after 14 hours, you're just ready to go home. So, <laughs> yeah. So you've used quite a few different types of equipment. I've used, I started off with the 80 RD 8000. I used the 8100 as well. And then on the private side, I use the Vivax Prolock 3. I've also used the Vivax Prolock 2. I've used Subsite, also Fisher, Fisher boxes. Yeah, that's what I had. That's what I, with the 83. Yeah, 83 Colerts, Fisher box. Yeah, those, those are interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my, my favorite has to be the Vivax Prolock 3. It's a lot lighter than the rest of them. I like the skinny end of it. I think it allows for better accuracy because you're not having to guess on where the frequency is at on the like the RD is so wide. So, I mean, you're, you could be up to a half a foot off, just marking either side of it. And then the, the functions on a Prolog three, there is a lot more tools to use when it comes to troubleshooting. Yeah. Which a lot of them are new and I'm still trying to figure them out, but it's, it's definitely worthwhile using and, experimenting with it yeah that's and what a, i use is it it's the prologue three yeah yeah and i i'm always playing with the settings the other features trying to figure out what they do yeah there's one i know there's the song mode and the one i can never figure out was the where it has the line it's supposed to show you exactly where the utility is on the ground i guess depending on the frequency but it never made sense to me I've used it a couple of times, but then most of the time it doesn't even work correctly the way I think it should. But then Is that it has the a lot one that, that, that like squiggles the graph on it? Yes. Yeah, you have to, you sweep it and it'll show you the, the, the hills, like it'll show you the peak and the null okay. hill, but you have to keep moving it across ah. back and forth. And then it shows you what the electromagnetic field looks like underground. So you can okay. physically see, okay, null is over here, peak is over here, or they're right on top of each other. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned something new. Yeah. 
I don't use it that much because you can you can figure that out if you're using peak and null. Yeah, that's true. But it's it's just fascinating to see. Okay, that's what the actual magnetic field looks like. One of these days, I'll have someone from Vivax explain the, all the features. Maybe that'd be nice. That would be very helpful, actually. Yeah. And then induction. I was on the private side. I probably use induction. 60% of the time. Yeah. It was, that's a pretty good, pretty handy tool, actually. It's, it can be hard because the multiple utilities in the area, but I've learned to do offsets. So you're actually focused on one utility instead of three or four that may be in the immediate area. So how do you, how do you use induction? Like, what's your method there? Usually with, you have a water main, an instance, with with induction, if especially some of these fire hydrants are corroded at the connection points, they're not always going to, the, the electromagnetic signal is not always going to travel through it. So my first thing is to try to see where a valve is, kind of imagine how that water main's running. I'll initially put my drop box or drop box down. I'll do a full sweep. And for me to consciously know that I have my target I will probably follow that line out to the next termination point if I can get to that point. Yeah. If not, I'll put a dot down, bring the take the box back up, drop it back where my last dot was, and keep going until I until I can verify 100% that's what I need. Right. So you use that quite a bit in private? E- yes. Sometimes you don't always have access no. to areas where you need to hook up to, so that's where induction becomes key. You can kind of see what's out in the distance. Or if, or if a customer has knowledge and he lets you know, hey, there's an electrical duct. There's a you know 12-inch ductile gas line or high-pressure gas line here. And you know I'll try to just, just set the box probably – usually try probably about every four feet and see if I can get a hit. Yeah. And then if I do, then I'll trace it out. Do you have someone with you to do an inductive sweep? No, okay. I'm doing that by myself 100 percent of the time. Okay, that's that's nice. If you have somebody, you know, 50 feet away <laughs> with the box sweeping, and, and you're moving in tandem across the across that's the area. That's one thing I miss. That's one thing I miss from public. Yeah, yeah. You just call <laughs> someone up from around the corner. Hey, come over here. We got to do a sweep. That's right. Yeah, I think that's all the uh, all the questions I have. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I actually do have one interesting story. It was actually a funny moment. This was on public side. Rear easements is how glad I don't have to deal with those anymore. But there's this one of these rear easements where fences are butt up against each other and we're having to do some fence climbing. I had this new technician, probably like two weeks old. He was on our team and he's probably like 19 years old. You know, thought he was, thought he was hot. And he went to go hop a fence and didn't pay attention pay attention to what was on the other side. Went through a window that was just oh. it broke just just a window that wasn't attached to anything. Okay. Went went through the window and then he got bit in the butt by a pit bull. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> Double whammy. Glass and, and a blood pit bull. Yeah. He had blood everywhere. We all kind of just looked over and just make sure he was all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I said. Eh. He might want to look next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you always just 
peek peek through the boards or peek through a crack first, see what you're getting into. Yeah, I don't I don't envy those guys at all. It actually got, it got to a point where I stopped top ten fences. I just I go knock on doors and ask homeowners, "Hey, can I go through your fence?" Yeah. Nine times out of ten, they'll they'll let you do that. Yeah, <laughs> there's too many stories of people breaking homeowners' fences. Yeah, it's just it's just there's no need for it. No. Yeah, thankfully around this area, all the fiber is going in the front, where they had they had the copper and coax in the, some of the backyards. But any any new stuff is going in the front. They're even moving some of the coax to the to the front, which is really nice. Finally, gotcha. So they're doing away with rear easements here. It's it's. I think it's a little bit harder over here because since they have easements already built into the to the contracts. I guess depending on probably depending on the state or county, a lot of these contracts just they can't even go into the front if they wanted to. Oh. Uh, they have to they have to stick an utility easement. Right. So right. I, I found that that was kind of interesting because it would be nice. A lot of these neighborhoods, you see, there's just no utilities out front at all. Yeah. And I, I never understood why they wanted just one area. Yeah. Yeah, it's just unfortunate when they put a whole bunch of stuff there. <sighs> yeah, and they don't read the fine print. No. This is good. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, sir. That concludes today's episode. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please visit ForgotMyTransmitter.com for instructions. And remember, don't forget your transmitter.